Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am your host, Tatiana Kosesanov. Is everybody getting ready for the summer, waiting to go off and have their holes? Maybe you've already had them, in which case, I'm sorry, this podcast episode is probably coming a bit too late. But it's just a short and sweet episode this week um, where I'll share some of the tips and tricks that I've learned over the last year and a half. Can you believe that already? Um, And share them with you to make your time in the sun not only fun, but have you coming back really benefiting from that week or two weeks away, however lucky you are and to go somewhere exotic and wonderful or however much time you have. And a lot of the tips that I'm going to give you actually also apply, even if you decide to have a staycation and have a holiday on Balconia instead of somewhere exotic and lovely. The first thing I want to talk about, oh, I forgot to tell you how many tips we're going to have. We're going to have six. So this is six top tips for having fun in the sun and on vacation. And tip number one is all about the sun and your skin. So I think we're all very, very, very aware these days of the dangers of sun and skin. Um, There's a lot of people very concerned about the fact that sun exposure causes skin cancer, all of the suntan clinics and the places where you can go and lie on a sunbed um, now have warnings everywhere about limiting your exposure and taking good care. And that's all extremely sound advice. And I can't emphasize that enough, that taking care of your skin is so important. And we're not really even talking about the fact that it's aging and it causes wrinkles and UV damage is known to not be very good for your skin. But um, we're talking about really just the the actual physical damage that can happen that can have then downstream long term effects. And this is actually particularly important for those of you that have children, especially young children, because the effects of UV exposure on skin are actually cumulative, which means that every time you burn, every time you get too much exposure, it builds up and builds up and builds up. And then sadly, you see the result of that so many years later. The ways that we are most commonly used to avoiding the problems associated with too much UV radiation on the skin is to use sunscreens, either to not go out in the sun at all or to use sunscreens. And there are two types of sunscreens that are available. The first type is chemical and the second type is a barrier. And I'll talk about both of them briefly. Now, you may be aware of the fact that there was a lot going through the press over the last few months about whether or not actually these suntan lotions, these skin uh, sunscreens are actually the cause of some of the skin related cancers and problems. All of the regulatory uh, regulatory bodies and the health agencies have have, uh, mitigated these claims and said, absolutely not. These substances have been tested so many times, have been in the public space for so long that they're actually completely safe. However, if you choose to go for the one of the chemical um, sunscreens, and this is where it contains certain agents that actually penetrate into the skin and protect it from there. Um, If you choose to not use one of those, because of course, 
you know, they are full of chemicals and they're full of chemicals which are not bioidentical. They're not part of our own biochemistry and they're not really supposed to be there safe or otherwise. Um, they've definitely passed all of the strict regulatory um, controls. However, you may choose just not to use them. And that's perfectly understandable. And if you choose not to use them, even though they are extremely effective at protecting your skin, the other option is to go for one of the barrier sunscreens. Now, barrier sunscreens do come with a price, and their price is that you end up looking rather chalky, um, because they are exactly what is says on the tin, which is uh, their barriers. And so they're usually made from either a zinc or titanium um, oxides and derivatives. They're, they really are safe because they're mineral based. Um, however, they do kind of leave, leave this layer on the skin. And that's precisely why they're so effective because essentially they cover the skin with a barrier. So it's sort of like wrapping yourself up in tin foil and they reflect the sun completely away from the skin, thus protecting it. If you choose to go along that road, then you do have to sacrifice a little bit of good looks and vanity. However, they are extremely effective sunscreens. They reduce the risk of, of chemical exposure. The other thing that's extremely important to check with any sunscreen, whether it's a barrier or a chemical, is how effective they are after getting your skin wet. A lot of people make the mistake of lathering on this stuff and then they go out into the pool or the sea or whatever, or they sweat excessively after doing exercise or whatever, paying beach volleyball or whatever you have planned for that afternoon, and forget that actually these agents may not be quite so water resistant. So check the packaging and if necessary, reapply. The most important thing is whatever you do, never, ever, ever get out so long in the sun, unprotected, that you come anywhere near burning. It's not good for your wrinkles and it's not good for your skin cancer risk. But the flip side of that, of course, is that sun exposure to the skin, as we all know, produces vitamin D. And vitamin D production is these days very much reduced by the amount of sunscreens that we use, especially in people of color. And so um, we are really suffering worldwide a bit of an epidemic where people are so conscious of not exposing the skin to the sun that we now actually um, have too much, um, too little rather, vitamin D production. So a lot of people are experiencing quite severe vitamin D deficiencies. It's now standard practice in the UK to test everyone who goes for a set of tests to their local GP to see whether or not they're vitamin D deficient. And most people are, and they're highly recommended to supplement. And supplementing is great, but why supplement when you can actually make your own? And you can do that by going into the sun. There are some studies that show that a human being can, in fact, produce up to 10,000 international units per day. I have no idea what kind of person that is, how big they are, whether it was a pool. But anyway, point is you can produce a lot of vitamin D in your skin, but that means the skin has to be exposed. And the best places to do that is, of course, large areas. So either the front 
or the back. The legs is also good. Um, and uh, the most important thing to remember there is don't make the mistake of going out the very first day that you're exposed to a lot of sun completely unprotected and expect your milk white skin to deal with it because it's not going to. So make sure that you start to expose your skin without protection after it's actually had the opportunity to generate a little bit of protection of its own. So you've got a little bit of a base tan, the skin has been used to a little bit of exposure after a day or two. So maybe after like day three, day four, you can then consider spending a short period of time without any sunscreen on those large areas and rack up that vitamin D production of your own. Self-made is always better than something that you put in a tablet. If you are substituting with vitamin D, as long as you're not taking extremely high doses of it, you can choose to leave that substitution out if you're on holiday and you know that you're going to be exposed to a large amount of sun and UV every day. Um, I think the risks are relatively uh, small if you keep substituting as well as getting sun exposure. If you have any concerns about that, please contact your pharmacist or your GP or health care professional and just check that that's the case because it also very much depends, of course, on the dosage that you are substituting with. But if you can make the vitamin D yourself, we know that's great. And the benefits and health benefits of vitamin D are just tremendous. There's something new coming out in the scientific literature practically on a daily basis about the benefits of vitamin D. So think about that and uh, try and make your own vitamin D. The other interesting thing about sun exposure to your skin is that your skin doesn't just produce vitamin D in response to the sun. It also produces a compound known as nitric oxide. This is a sort of a natural vasodilator. That means it opens up the blood vessels, so it lowers blood pressure, increases blood flow around the body, de-stresses you a little, and it's actually particularly good for the blood vessels around the heart. So go out, get some sun on that skin, and get that nitric oxide up because you'll have a double effect of not just the vitamin D. And of course, another great aspect of getting your skin exposed to the sunlight and being out in that sun is that you just experience that most incredible feeling of, oh, this is delightful and the warmth and everything. And have you noticed how when you spend a day in the sun, that in actual fact, when you come home in the evening, you're really tired, but it's that special sort of tired that actually comes from being in the sun. And that means that the likelihood is you're going to get a superb night's sleep after that. And that's a whole interesting category all by itself. So tip number one, get out, get some sun on your skin, but please, 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 Make sure you never get anywhere near the risk of burning. Tip number two. Well, we just talked about sleep, so let's go there. Being on vacation, being on holiday is an excellent opportunity 
to stop making the excuse of having to get up early and rush around like a maniac and do all of those 150,000 things on your to-do list, which you're never going to finish, and actually really spend some time investing in your sleep hygiene. The interesting thing is that if you do this while you're on holiday, I know it's very likely that you're going to be going out in the evenings and having a good time. Why shouldn't you? That's why you're on vacation. But if you can try and establish a little bit of some good, healthy sleep hygiene while you're on holiday, so make sure you really are getting at least seven to eight hours in every night. Even if you're going to go to bed relatively late, try and get up at a time that allows for that seven or eight hours of sleep the next day. Try also to keep to a reasonably regular sleep schedule. Just try it, even if you're just away for like five to seven days. See what an effect it has on you, because you may be surprised to actually notice how good you feel after a week of really good sleep. And that in itself should be motivation enough for you to actually bring those practices back into your daily life and learn how to prioritize sleep. These days, it's so difficult to get enough sleep. And there's still very much an attitude of those people who sleep a lot are just kind of wusses and not really kind of tough go-getters and, and are really amazingly dynamic, successful people in the life of the ones who get away with three or four hours sleep. Well, you know, those are the ones who may end up paying for it in the long run by having reduced health and certainly increased risks of dementia. I think we have talked on London Heal before, if you want to go back and check that episode with uh, Russell Foster, where he talks about the effects of sleep on our health, you really begin to understand how hugely important it is. So tip number two is use your vacation time for the opportunity to try and practice some really good sleep hygiene. Tip number three is exercise. Yeah, my favorite topic because I'm not the best person to talk to about exercise, although I love to dance. So how about on those evenings out with the sangria or whatever it is that you're up to doing, dance, enjoy it. If there's great music, all movement is exercise and be really conscious of it. Learn to be really aware every time you move your body and you go, this may be not my 10,000 steps. It may be just a quick 10 minute jig on the dance floor, but it's great for my sense of well-being. It's great for my sense of fun and it's really good for my body. Your body loves it. It loves every tiny little bit of movement that you give it. Of course, the other sort of exercise, which is probably higher up than most people's priority list, is going to be the exercise that they do during the day. Now, being on holiday is a great time to exercise because it's probably not going to be that kind of tedious, I have to go to the gym, sort of pushing weights and stuff. But you actually get the chance to exercise maybe outside, go for a bike ride or walk or hike if you're having a holiday somewhere more in the countryside or in the mountains. Swim. Swimming is superb exercise or just even walking along the beach. And my other tip there is take your shoes off. 
We had a wonderful episode about earthing. And in fact, we're going to have another one coming up from um, a physician who uses earthing as a, as a fabulous practice in order to reduce inflammation. And we know that earthing and grounding is so good for you. And it's particularly potent when you get it from seawater. So even if you're not in a position to be able to do a huge amount of exercise, try and get on the beach if you're having a beach holiday and just walk along the edge of the beach where the water line is, get your feet wet and in the sand and even let some of that water spill over onto your feet and you'll be amazed how refreshed you feel. If you're out in the fields or you're even somewhere where you don't really have risk of causing serious injury. You don't want to be clambering over sharp rocks and things with bare feet. But even if you're just out in the countryside somewhere and you're taking a bit of a walk or even just sitting down having a picnic, get those shoes off and get grounded. The other thing that's really important about walking barefoot or even walking with shoes, but perhaps not trainers that have really, really thick soles on them, but something that's a little bit thinner, is that when you walk on uneven surfaces, like, for example, through the woods, over hills and dales, or even on the beach, have you ever noticed how tiring it is on your feet to walk on the beach? You really have to kind of work hard at it. But that's brilliant for your neuroplasticity. So listen into that episode with Mike Merzenich if you haven't heard it all about neuroplasticity and how important that is for keeping your brain healthy. And one of the best ways to actually increase neuroplasticity and maintain brain health is exercise in general, but specifically walking over these extremely challenging surfaces that involve an extensive amount of brain activity to make sure that you contract and relax the right sets of muscles, that you don't fall, that you keep your balance. All of this sort of thing is absolutely fabulous for brain plasticity. There's almost nothing better, actually. And of course, we know that every sort of exercise is really healthy. And particularly for the brain, we know that exercise actually produces a lot of nerve growth factors, particularly brain-derived nerve growth factor. And um, that's particularly good because it not only encourages neuroplasticity, but it actually encourages neuronal growth, so the growth of new nerve cells. So exercise, one of the best ways to keep your body healthy, but also your brain. And what better than to do it when you're on holiday, where you can incorporate it into a great day and actually have exercise be fun. So tip number three, uh, sorry, tip number four, we're on number four already, is food. Ha, huh. well, that's a tough one. Okay, I'm not going to be a kind of a party pooper and tell you don't drink, don't have a good time, don't do anything like that when you go away on holiday because I know that that's exactly what one wants to do when one's on holiday is actually relax and have a little bit of a good time and that's perfectly okay to do that. However, if you are traveling somewhere exotic or to the Mediterranean or something like that, we all know that things like the Mediterranean diet is extremely good for you. So make the most of it. Enjoy the opportunities to indulge in locally grown produce 
that's very diverse, much more diverse, for example, than you'd get in the UK, um, although everything is imported here, but I'm talking about stuff that's grown locally. If you can um, get all of those lovely leafy green vegetables, some fresh fruits and things which are grown locally and preferably organically, you're really going to be doing a lot of good things for your health. Of course, the other thing is if you're in Mediterranean areas is to just chug down that olive oil because we know that the olive oil is extremely good for you. It's an omega-9, so it's not one of these nasty, risky omega-6s like the seed oils. It's actually comes from the fruit of the oil of the olive not from the seed and therefore it actually is much more stable and it has been absolutely proved to be really really good for you talking about omegas of course if you're also somewhere exotic where you may have the opportunity to eat freshly uh, caught fish or shellfish go ahead and do that but as long as they are harvested especially shellfish from areas where you can be fairly confident that there isn't any local water pollution because a lot of shellfish are filter feeders and therefore if they are exposed to a large number of pollutants and chemicals, if there's a, a factory that's pumping out waste into the sea, you know, a few meters away from where the shellfish are harvested, you probably don't want to be eating that. And the truth is, most of the fish that we eat at all is in some way um, contaminated. But, you know, you can be selective. And if you know that the place that you're staying and the place that you're getting your fish and shellfish from is relatively clean and um, you're concentrating on eating one of the smash fish, that's salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines and herring. So smash, those are the oily fish. They are packed full, as are also um, shellfish, packed full of really, really healthy omega-3s. And they're packed with omega-3s, first of all, in the right ratio. So they have the correct ratio of EPA to DHA, which are two of the omega-3s that we need. And more importantly, they are actually... Um, the exact omega-3s that our human bodies can use directly without having to change or modify them anyway. So they get absorbed very, very quickly. Of course, if you're vegetarian or vegan and choose not to go down the route of eating fish and shellfish, then use the opportunity to pack in lots of omega-3 containing plant um, substances. Omega-3s from plants are usually in the form of AHA and there is a fairly poor conversion of that into DHA and EPA. It's about 1 to 10 I think. So you do need to eat quite a lot of AHA in order to make up for it but if you're an experienced vegan and vegetarian you know that already. Um, but use being on holiday to have the chance to perhaps get those healthy things from somewhere else. And of course, perfect opportunity to be eating squarely through the rainbow and getting all of those amazing phytonutrients in. The other thing that's quite interesting about food when you're on holiday, especially if you're going to travel somewhere exotic, is make the most of all of the local herbs and spices. You may remember our episode with Simon Mills about herbal medicine, where he says, you know, eat like an Asian. So if you're going somewhere where there's a lot of this wonderfully spicy food, then really enjoy it because all of those spices and herbs are incredibly good for your health. Um, 
Of course, there are some variations. If you believe more in the Ayurvedic school of medicine, then some things are more appropriate for your dosha type or your your body type than others. But generally, most of these herbs and spices are actually incredibly good for you. And so make the most of them. Yes, of course, don't overindulge in the unhealthy things. Um, Alcohol is fun, but it does destroy your sleep architecture. It also does have pretty negative effects on your microbiome. So if you can avoid too much boozing, that would be good. But as I said, having fun and a good time for a week or two weeks is probably the most important thing. And so, as they say, everything in moderation. And the next tip is all about community. Usually when we go away on holiday, we go away with family, we go away with friends. Now, as my father always used to say, familiarity breeds contempt, (laughs) which means that some family constellations may not be always 100% joyous or stress-free, but still, When you're on holiday, all of those cares and stresses and strains of day-to-day life do tend to fall away, leaving you with a bit more capacity to kind of enjoy time. And if you're traveling with either friends or family, then I really, really highly encourage you to just actually really indulge in that because so many studies show the enormous benefits to your health, not only your mental health, but actually even your physical health. If you remember our recent episode with um, Alyssa Eppel looking at telomere length, we know that, that friendship, loving relationships, community, these things are so important for maintaining your telomere length and potentially even lengthening them. And a whole load of other things, it's anti-inflammatory, it's anti-stress, it just feeds your soul. It's lovely to be with people that you love. And sometimes actually being aware of that is also really important. So in the middle of that evening where you're having fun and you find yourself laughing and joking with this precious group of people, perhaps they're even new people that you've just met that you're having a great time with, just take a second to actually really sit back and appreciate that and know how much pleasure you're giving yourself, but also how much good you're doing for your mental and physical health. So take the opportunity when you're on holiday to really indulge and really, really make the most of those caring, loving relationships and spend time playing together, laughing together and actually really enjoying time together. You cannot underestimate how good that really is for you. And my last tip today is about meditation. Meditation is something that a lot of people find very, very difficult to do when they're in their daily lives. They've got so much chatter going on in their heads. They wake up in the morning and the first thing that happens is they open their eyes and there's just this barrage of, oh, I have this to do, make that phone call, write that email, send that text, do this, shop for lunch, what we're having for dinner, that meeting, so on and so forth. It's an overload of information and people find it very, very difficult to initiate a meditation practice when they're just in the throngs of daily life. So why don't you use being on holiday when you're less stressed, you have less things to do, your to-do list is hopefully zero other than having a good time. 
why don't you take the time to see whether or not this is the perfect time to start a good meditation practice. There are a million different types of meditation. There are a million different ways to do it. And everybody has their own way that's right for them. Um, maybe you can even just start out using one of these meditation apps if you're not used to it. If you're certainly not used to having meditated before, sometimes guided meditations are the easiest way to get into it rather than just sitting there still by yourself. But you may find that just that reduction in stress that you're experiencing when you're on holiday actually is an opportunity to turn down a little bit of the chatter in your mind and give you a much, much better chance of getting into meditation. And if you've then meditated for a week or two weeks, if you're really lucky, you will have already established a bit of a practice, which will be then much, much easier to maintain when you actually get back home. So think about trying to get into a meditation practice if you don't have one already while you're on holiday. And speaking of meditating, uh, if you have never meditated in the open air, if you've never meditated sitting on a rock or looking at a rushing stream or being in the woods or being in the sunlight or on the beach, you've only got to look for any photo on the internet under the title or the rubric of meditation and you will see nothing but pictures of people meditating on such luxurious places. If you're on holiday, you may have the chance to actually put that into practice. And I can tell you from personal experience, there is nothing quite so beautiful as meditating outside in nature. And to go back to our conversation we were having about exercise and walking barefoot, meditate actually on ground or earth or, or um, uh, even a stone, a rock or grass or on the beach, you really are having quite a large area of flesh that's in contact with the earth. So try to wear lighter clothing, perhaps concentrate on wearing natural fabrics like cottons, not synthetic, so you don't actually insulate your behind and your legs from actually getting 100% contact with the earth, because that means that you not only have an amazing meditation session, but you're actually using the opportunity to ground and earth yourself at the same time. And many practitioners of uh, meditating outside and doing this regularly say that that experience of actually being in contact with the earth really ups your experience of meditation anyway. So my dear listeners, those are my little tips from what we've learned from the wonderful guests that we've had over, over the months on London Heel. I put together so that you can have the best holiday and come back not only rested and refreshed and de-stressed and tanned and looking amazing, but also use the time to really actively do some good things for your health. And you know, the best thing about doing good things for your health is it's really satisfying. It's a really nice feeling. You know how bad you feel when you've had that spoonful of sugar or that piece of chocolate? Well, actually, you can get the complete opposite of that when you do something good for yourself. So praise yourself, pat yourself on the back, enjoy your holiday, have a wonderful rest, and come back 
really healthy, hale and hearty, knowing that you might have adopted some of the tips I gave you to really, really make the most out of that holiday. So you don't just bring back a tan and some tacky kits. And so my dear listeners, that's it for me. Now talking of summer, London Hill is going into its own summer break. Um, I need a few a uh, couple of weeks to charge my recharge my batteries and get back on board but also um, I should be spending a lot of that time actually getting organized and getting a whole load more of exciting and interesting guests for future episodes of London Heal so I'm not quite sure but I think we'll be away probably um, anything between two to four weeks so keep tuning in and we'll certainly if you're part of our mailing list if you're a London Heal inside will definitely notify you by email when the next episodes are available and of course on Facebook Um, so please make sure that you come back and join us use this time while we're away to um, share episodes with your friends and family maybe also tune in to some of those episodes that you haven't had time to listen to and stay tuned because we will most definitely be back And so, my dear listeners, I'm wishing you all the most amazing holiday. Please enjoy the tips that we shared this week. Have a great time. See you back in a few weeks. Stay loyal to us. Tell everybody about us. And wishing you, as always, much, 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 much health, happiness, and serenity.